and welcome back to Our Street. My name's Kurt Elder, and today our dear friend and co-host Lynn Fisher cannot join us. He is getting ready for the holiday season, but today, in his absence, I'm going to have a great conversation with a gentleman named Mark Otto. He's a person that I've met recently. It fits well within this miniseries topic. And just for our, our listeners uh, that are new to, to this uh, conversation tonight, uh, this is Our Street. We are a 30-minute program. We are glad that you're here. We talk about local community topics that are of interest to not only Lynn and I, but also to you through the comments that you send in to us. And for the past two and a half months, we've been doing this small mini-series in which we've been talking to persons who develop affordable housing. Our listeners and our uh, new guests would then know that I work for the city, and oftentimes when we write planning documents, we we state before we start talking about the topic of the day, which is, again is the creation of affordable housing from uh, the lens that experienced. So Mark, tell us about well, I grew up in Raska on a farm to town as a young teenager. Philly's a good example of housing as we dive into this, because when I left there, it was about 180 people, and now it's in the low 120s. Um, made most of, of my living through my life, my young life, cut my teeth in construction. Built some houses, roof siding, addition, stuff like that. Uh, and when you talk about scale, I had none. We just, we worked, we did what was in front of us, didn't build the idea of where could this go? And came across the opportunity um, about 2012, I think it was, to join a real estate team in Grand Island and, and took advantage of the opportunity. Real estate was awesome, loved it. Um, did, you know, started out selling houses and uh, retail residential, if you will, and quickly migrated over to investment properties. I love numbers. I love working through financial packages and stuff. And so it it really took over. Um, one of my early investors was a guy by the name of Scott Reef. And Scott and I worked together, I think, for my second year in real estate. Um, and I sold him some houses, apartments, et cetera. Went to him one day and, and said, hey, there's a piece of ground, would you build? Uh, he says, no. <laughs> and five minutes <laughs> no. later, he, no, he's like, why would I? Uh, five minutes later, called me back and he's like, no, wh why would I at least not look at it? And from that conversation, uh, 10 minutes later, we were on site at the now Talon Apartments in Southeast Grand Island. Talon was and is a, a great site that's active and southeast nebraska the uh, southeast grand island at the time was struggling taking off they'd put a walmart in i don't 10 15 years earlier and thought it would drag the town up and it it hadn't and scott was willing to step up and and really take a shot since then you know they've they've had new construction all around it and that that area of town is going because you need rooftops sure um, which obviously is a lot of our conversation today. You need rooftops. And so from Talon Apartments, we, we got that going uh, in 2016. And, you know, I keep a, a news clipping on the wall above me here. December 4th, Talon Apartment received its first tenants. We broke ground July 16th of that year. Um, and we did 36 units then and another 36 in the next couple months. 
if you're going to develop an outstate Nebraska, bring your effort. That is that is an area, you know, the profit margins aren't what they are maybe on the east side. And so it, it takes a lot of commitment. Anyway, went went from there and effectively migrated out of real estate pretty quick. I enjoyed the building. I loved the scale. The process is Scott's such a phenomenal leader and really was probably that conversion point in my life from how do you move forward? Every situation, you only have one question and it's how do you move forward? Something went wrong. Great. Did we learn from it? Awesome. How do we move forward? And that's, you know, he's built a great team. We went to Lexington. They've built multiple units there. Um, in between there, we met a, a designer who was more focused uh, out of Indianapolis on building a product that's memorable. Um, adding housing to communities is important. Building something that builds a hundred year community is more important. Um, you know, there's a lot of options to, to put a place to sleep at night but the community has to benefit in the long haul. And so we started working with that designer who, who was actually family to Scott. And <laughs> that's, how was, that, that's how those things always go. Sometimes finding people you trust, you just kind of navigate through your family connections and that's common in so many other things. Sorry for, sorry for the interruption, but no, this is good. I'm glad you brought that up because we had an advantage that very few people have. His brother, Matt Reef, who's probably approaching 30 years at Olson now, is a civil engineer and he's a connection from communities and developers and having somebody, a family member that you can say, what's the best decision to make here? Right. Changes your trajectory, trajectory so dramatically, you know, cause you just have faith and, and Matt's the one that brought us to Norfolk and said, hey, there's this guy, uh, J. Paul McIntosh, who's looking to sell some land. Now, you may not know him in Lincoln, Nebraska, but if you're from Norfolk and you drive by the college, their name's on it, the McIntoshes were a phenomenal family and contributor to the city of Norfolk. And J. Paul himself was a phenomenal developer and did apartments and just a real salt of the earth guy. Um, and really, I, I always tell people he's my basis for my retirement. My last meeting with him was a couple weeks before he passed in his early 90s. The guy never stopped contributing to society. And just a phenomenal person. So that that started the Legacy Ben site, which was a pedestrian neighborhood in Norfolk, Nebraska. Apartments mixed with single family designed around trails and parks, pocket parks, a clubhouse for the community, um, really meant to create a space. And it's going well and going today. That's pretty awesome. I, I had no idea that you were involved in that depth of, you know, experiences and I mean, what I think is so interesting about talking to people with experiences and, you know, again, history is that 
the depth and breadth of their connections, just not only to their community, but to their overall, you know, happiness in life is always just, it's always just impressive. And when you look at the people that you've met within that journey, you call many of them partners, friends, connections, but if you had to either single one of them out or pick someone new, who would be one of your main mentors up to this point? Would it be Scott? Would it be? You know, it, it has to be Scott. I, he was such an instrumental part of probably just understanding what you should want out of life. Sure. He, you know, he's, he's a guy to this day, I'm sure. Um, he, he doesn't waste a minute. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't neglect his family on the way when he's with his family, he's with his family. When he's at work, he's at work. If he's got a gap, he fills it. Mm -hmm. And, and he always talked about, you know, two things that are critical. Number one, when you give a hundred percent at work, you'll give a hundred percent at home because it's something that you just get used to. Right. I always had a saying, the less you do, the less you feel like doing. Well, the more you do, the more you feel like doing. And, you know, they're, they're community people. Uh, they don't do it to get their name put on stuff. They do it because it's the right thing. Sure. And, and so I have a, this will sound kind of corny, but it's, it's been in my head the last couple of days. You have investors who are looking for investments to do what we're doing in outstate Nebraska. You need invest ins and Matt Reef is an invest in if, if you're a developer and you work with him, he's going to make sure you invest in that community and he will help the community invest in you. Scott Reef is the same way. So within this first half, just making sure that we can have time for a, just a flowing conversation in that second. Your experiences with Scott Norfolk, that was that was that part of Comcat Partners or is that something different? That was preceding. Uh, okay. Right before Comcat Partners, I effectively had one client, and that was Scott. And I literally, you know, worked with him on the investment side through the construction. Uh, we built a phenomenal team over that eight-year window. And there came a point last year where I looked across at the team and I said, okay, they've got this, right? They, they're at a point now they can grow and continue to flourish without me. How do I go contribute more housing to Nebraska? How do I expand my reach? Sure. And that's where community capital partners came in. Are you able to share a little bit more about that group here in like the next three or so minutes and after that we'll just transition into our second half but tell me more about uh community capital partners yeah community capital partners it's it's me and one other guy um he's joe johnson he's he's pretty uh dedicated if anybody ever is to the state of nebraska he when i talk about invest in there's a guy that invests in he's he's active his full-time job is with olson and business development and he is incredibly intense about making Nebraska better than it is today. And one of the things that comes to is the Philly, Nebraska example. So many of these rural towns, what, like 72 counties, 
I think decreased in population. I think it was more than that. I think that there's only nine counties that are growing. There might oh. be some that are just holding steady. Perhaps that's the number, but yeah, it's a, it's a, a tough place out there right now. And I, I definitely believe in listening to my elder. <laughs> in you. <laughs> if you say it's nine, I'm pretty sure it's nine. <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. But you, Philly doesn't have housing to go to today. You have what's in diminished community capital partners is looking across the state, um, working with other people. Our Perry construction is a good example. Mm. We want to put a thousand homes across Nebraska. And that takes a lot of investors, investments, and mostly invest ins. Invest ins, sure. Yeah. So we are a little early on a break, but we're going to go ahead and just take this quick little break. We'll be. Uh, right back to continue this conversation and we're going to pick Mark's brain about what it takes to do this work and what are those challenges, pain points and uh, we'll go forward from there so we'll be back in a few moments and welcome back to Our Street, my name is Kurt Elder, uh, just letting our listeners know that Lynn uh, can't be here today, he's uh, getting ready for the holidays and we wish him well, but we're going to continue a really good conversation that we're having with Mark Otto he's um uh, I'm going to say a co-founder of uh, Community Partners Capital. Uh, excuse me, Com- Community Capital Partners. I'll get it right. CCP. <laughs> there we go. And in the first half, we learned more about Mark's history. Uh, it says his experience uh, going from real estate, well, excuse me, from construction into real estate and into development and, and, and you know, finding the right people to move forward and, and do good work for the state of Nebraska because – as we learned in the first half, his mentor, Scott, is truly invested in improving the lives after he uh, is no longer with us. And that leads us into this perhaps question that's going to take a little bit to unpack. And we'll, so I'm going to apologize to you and to our, to our listeners. But in the first half, you were saying that, you know, that we need rooftops. But then you had also said that later on that we need those rooftops and those development projects, sometimes they're married, sometimes they're not, to be memorable. So the first question of this is, when we look at your experiences in urban versus rural for the need for housing, is there any stark uh, difference between the two, or is it just the want, the want, and, and the one is the need? Is there a difference between what's wanted in rural areas versus what's wanted in, say, a more urban area? Yeah, that's a great question. And- in rural areas, people people still want the magnificent experiences, magnificent. But what you also find is you need population. So stuff they can do in the hay market, in the old market, is so much grander on a scale uh, because of the fact of all the tourism. Right. And, you know, rooftops are split into a couple levels. You have your single family housing, which in outstate Nebraska is a huge deal. The world is moving to multifamily. Outstate Nebraska, multifamily has grown tremendously. That being said, there's still a large single family market. And with today's economy and where construction prices and interest rates have gone, getting that single family out there is tough. 
I, I still believe it's important if you're going to put single family on the ground, build something that does not depreciate over the years, help people build their wealth, help communities build their wealth and, and their people, the housing, it needs to be a hundred year home all day long, not a 20 or 30 year product. Sure. So our listeners may know that uh, I grew up in a trailer home, family six and a 15 by 50 foot trailer. And I think that many communities have worked to zone those out and they don't want them for a variety of reasons, but it is a housing solution that has been, that was present for many, many generations. Do you think from your perspective, uh, this is more of a, just a side rabble hole, but I'm just curious from that yeah. side perspective, is there a place for a reimagined mobile home park and future development in communities as one and two, if there was a way to reimagine it, what kind of community would want that kind of project? You know, it's interesting you say that. I, I just talked with some guys uh, the other day who had actually taken, I, th I think it was from the Winnebago tribe, but don't quote me on that. And they were working on the small homes, the tiny homes. And they believed they could do tiny homes for basically the same price that you could do multifamily, if not a touch less. The bigger the building, the more the engineering, the more the fire code, et cetera. And so then you're caught back in this outstate question that tiny home is something that you can have a plot of ground around you. It may not be huge, but you have your own yard. That That's important out there. And I, I know from your guys' conversations and everybody's, what is a proper size single family starter affordable home today? You're saying it's not $700,000. From it's our, not. <laughs> from our previous interview. Sorry, Brandon, that's not a dig. You're filling a market need. It's just not quite the starter home. But anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> and and so many starter homes now, even the ones we're putting out there are 1,200 and some square feet. 1,277, I think, is one of the models. It's what people expect. I, I really think we need to tamper that and think back um, some years. So when we think of you know, a 1,200 square foot home from certain builders here in Lincoln, you know, those will appraise out at Lincoln's assessed values at like $250,000. What's a home like that in pick a place in Nebraska and just how's those numbers work out? You know, so if new homes are tough in the smaller the town in Grand Island, you know, I don't know if that that home would come in the 300 range, I would I would assume uh, as a new construction, if it's an existing home, you know, it's going to be probably in that two two twenty five, uh, and those are really off the cuff numbers. Don't oh sure, don't hold me to that. Second base in the wall, that's the distance that we're working in. There's lots of room <laughs> to run. It's okay, you know, <laughs> we're in the park. That's all that matters. Yeah. So, getting into some of these brass tasks, brass tacks facets of this conversation. When we think about the what it takes to produce affordable housing. You know, the easy answer is to say, if I had more capital or if I had a better interest rate, I could do so much more. How much is that answer a a fully, what percentage of the solution does that money facet solve? Is it 
is it is it is it money is it land is it the community wanting to do a certain project of a certain kind with a certain partner what are the facets that that either what are what are the points that you have to consider when you build affordable housing so if if you let the free market continue to run in nebraska and only on the free market it hasn't worked for what 50 years we've we've been in decline the the community has to really get involved and i gotta tell you in nebraska it's you know i've worked with people from imperial that you're familiar with and that's my home that's your home sydney nebraska to to kema um pierce you know down gage county beatrice nebraska we have such an amazing buy-in of people in office out in these areas our city administrators our edc people um, our housing it's just amazing to me when we talk about invest ins um how how deeply rooted this and passionate they are to fix this problem uh we're, we're just incredibly lucky and I, I i give the great example in norfolk we're working on a downtown project there and my initial you know was through matt reef and jay paul later we were meeting with representative mike flood before he was a u.s representative he was working to bring people to northeast nebraska josh moaning the mayor will go out and get on the phone and do what he has to do to bring people in Mm -hmm. i mean robert dover uh, when we started there senator dover brought me in and he wasn't a senator then and basically offered up, hey, I, I, I'm in Norfolk. I've got knowledge in <laughs> Norfolk. What can I do to help you? You guys succeed. And that's a competitor to us at the time. Okay. The, the buy-in from outstate Nebraska is just so incredible. And and I haven't worked a lot in Lincoln and Omaha. You know, Senator Wayne, you hear so many great things how sure. his effort is. Uh, so that's, guy who's, that's guy who is invested in his community heavily. And he's not ashamed of it one damn bit. Absolutely. I, I watched him speak at one of the legislative sessions and wow. I mean, you could just tell he's all in. Yeah. So small communities, um, it, there is a one from the community, but as, as you would say, um, they need to be open to new ideas of what the market can afford in those small communities to, to somehow get back to what they perceive as normal his, historically. Um, so land's generally not an issue in smaller communities. It's it, it's it is more of is it the kind of roof that you're putting into smaller communities that that or is it the tenure type that you're bringing in? I guess what, what, what I'm trying to under, understand here is is that there is you're doing good work and there's a ton of land. And these communities want housing. What's the holdup to get it all done? Because if there's a if there's capacity, land, and people, why isn't it happening more quickly? Is it solely labor force, or is it something different? Labor force has been a hindrance out there because it's it's driven prices to to some interesting territories, you know, and you take. You take a single family home. I, I wish we were on this project five years ago because the cost to build that home is what 30% higher. The interest rate 
is over double. Even today, it's over double. So if you could have produced um, $165,000 home at a 3% mortgage rate, it was awesome. Now, you know, infrastructure costs, you, you almost always have to add infrastructure to get these homes in. So you take sure. the cost to build the streets and, and do the neighborhood. You take the increased construction cost and you take the increased interest rates. We're going to get them built. You know, how many can a town absorb at a time? If, sure. Right. If if the model was 165, we'd probably build 10 in a town at a time. Now we're saying, okay, well, let's build three. Let's Let's group communities and build three in each community. And then we can add to them because you don't want to, you don't want to throw a market out of whack. You know, you want to, sure. you want to be an attribute. Um, so we could talk for another hour. I know we could, but I want to ask you probably in like our last three or four minutes, if you had a magic wand to, and we'll focus just on housing, just invest in housing, what tool or policy or process or funding mechanism would help you do your work better the the workforce tiff that has come to light here in the last couple years and and we're working a lot with that as community capital partners um that's that's a really integral part of this um some communities are able to use their lb840 funds to to do that and and I think it's important that when you're in an area you you only use what you need so that other people can use the rest if you need the LB840 use it if you don't for the love of god let a business downtown use it just for our listeners sake LB840s is a local option sales tax that's controlled by a local board they set their priorities and they usually make recommendations to their local city council on those on those expenditures anyway yeah, so those those two items are great, um, you know. And almost every town's on an individual basis at this point. We're trying to look at infill lots that make sense. Trying to close some streets. A lot of towns have an open-sided street on the edge of town. Um, that's a pretty easy adjustment to add housing without adding cost. Right. You know, to the city itself, they don't have more streets to plow or anything like that. So that's a pretty critical path, but the the workforce TIF is huge, and and the engagement of the individual people, of they they really will help walk you through that process. And at Comcat Partners, our job is to connect the cities with the developers, and say, okay, what do you need? What do you need? And we mm-hmm. we basically go back and forth and really try to put together a model that works for everyone. So final question, if someone's interested in learning more about the work you're doing or if there's a rural community that happens to grab this because I pushed this program into many different ways, <laughs> as broad a reach <laughs> as I could, if they want to learn more about what you do and how you do it or just have a conversation, would you be willing to share your information? Absolutely. Give me a call. Uh, my number is 308-390-7203. Shoot me an email, mauto at comcappartners.com. I am more than happy to sit down at any time and and give somebody a path, even if it's not directly through us. All right. Mark, thank you for your time. And I want to 
Thank our listeners for joining us for another 30 minutes of this affordable housing series, and we'll see you next week.